uh, things are getting better. This time last year, boy, we had nobody in the church. <laughs> I was preaching. They had to turn off the light so I could pretend I was preaching to somebody. But um, it's amazing to think that a year has already gone by and uh, the church is still here. In fact, it's been around for a couple of millennia. <laughs> they, they try to kill us off. They try to do everything they can. But Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. Amen. We had a wonderful service already this 915. Three people baptized and filled. One of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. What an amazing God we serve. Matthew chapter 21. Today on the uh, liturgical calendar, it's known as Palm Sunday. And uh, it, it is generally believed historically that this was uh, the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. Matthew chapter 21. It is our custom to stand in honor of reading of the Word of God. And also our custom that at the end of the service, we invite people to come to the altar and to pray. And whatever your need is, God is, is here to answer. And we have ministers and leaders that will pray with you. Matthew chapter 21, and we'll pick it up from verse number 4. We're going to read from verse 4 to 11. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, and sitting on a donkey. I'm reading from the New King James. A colt the foal of a donkey so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them they brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and set him on them and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road uh, then the multitudes who went before and those who believe who followed cried out saying Hosanna to the son of David Hosanna simply means, oh, save, save us. It's a cry or an appeal for salvation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitudes, apparently there were two groups of people. One group that came with Jesus while he was riding on the donkey. And the other group was in the city, in Jerusalem. When they saw this commotion, they were moved. They said, who is this guy? And the other group said, in verse 11, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Who is this? This is Jesus. I want to talk to you today on this thought. Our God, we know. Our God, we know. Let us pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your presence, your anointing that's here today. We're asking you even now, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, let it not just be words, the words of a man. Let it be by the inspiration of God that we would hear from heaven and that you'd speak into our lives, Lord God, to bring change and transformation. So anoint your people. Anoint your servant. Empower us, God, to... Speak no more, no less than what you would have us to hear. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Would you just turn to a couple of other people and tell them, I'm happy to see you. Amen.
and mean it. And we're happy to see each other. Praise God. After years, many years in the ministry and the life of Jesus of remaining inconspicuous, for the most part, Jesus didn't want people to know his real identity of who he was. Even those that he healed, he said, don't, don't say anything to anybody. But here we see for the very first time, Jesus actually embracing this idea of expressing publicly his identity. This uh, sitting on a cult lowly, it was a humble act, yet it was still an act that would demonstrate his, his office, his identity, that he was the king now going from, from Bethany into Jerusalem to take his rightful place in the palace of the king and in the temple. And so uh, this was a fulfillment of prophecy uh, that, that for the first time, as it was many days later, he would be arrested. But here, as he took this, uh, this act, he sat upon the cult, and, and the people that were with him had probably come from the city or the town of Bethany, where, where they had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And so already they had an understanding of who this man was. And so they, they pulled off their clothes and they laid it before the, the, on the road as he, would, as he would on the cult be riding. And they pulled branches off the trees and began to wave the palms as uh, they rejoiced and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as he arrived into Jerusalem, the rightful king, it, it shook the city, it shook that place to where the people began to ask this question, who is this? Who is this man? And the reply from the people, the other party who were rejoicing from Bethany said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This same question, who is he, the identity of Christ, would become the critical issue in the days following, where Jesus would be arrested, tried for blasphemy, because he claimed to be God, and would be judged by the people to be condemned to die by crucifixion. Jesus had claimed to be God, but the people later on would not believe, and they would cry, crucify him, crucify him. And to this day, this is still the most pivotal question that you or I will be confronted with. Just like the city of Jerusalem were confronted by this personality that was so powerful and profound that they could not simply dismiss him. And I submit to you that this Jesus Christ is somebody that every single one of us, in fact, every human being will be confronted with as to who he is. And it's up to you to determine what you will believe about Jesus. But there are some facts that are irrefutable and that you will have to determine for yourself whether he is who he says he is. A.W. Tozer said that the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. This is our series for, for this month. It's called Believe. We were examining our beliefs. 
And let me say it again. Let me repeat this again. What A.W. Tozer said, he said, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. Because what you believe about God will determine how you will respond to this God and how you will live. Everybody will be confronted with a personality that is so, so incredible by the name of Jesus Christ that uh, C.S. Lewis said, that there are really only three options if you are going to decide about this person. Either that Jesus was a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was in fact the Lord. Amen. Those are really the only three options that you have. He either lied, he's crazy, or he is who he said he is. And this is so important for us to understand. To know because they rejected him, the same people in Bethany and the same people in Jerusalem all had the same facts about him, but they came to two different conclusions. One believed that he was the Lord, and the other believed that he wasn't, that they arrested him and killed him. Amen. I want you to know the most important thing that you can, can begin to ponder and decide in your life is what you will do with this man called Jesus. Amen. Was Jesus of the Bible who he claimed to be? Was he really the son of God? Was he really the Messiah? The evidence is there. There are over 300 prophecies listed in the Bible that, that Jesus Christ fulfilled. 300. And the people of Jerusalem did not even recognize that. Well, if you took out of the 300 prophecies, just simply eight prophecies, if you took just eight prophecies out of that 300, let's say, for example, the time of his birth, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that he would be mocked, he would be crucified, he would be pierced, he would die with the wicked, but he would be buried with the rich. Only eight According to a mathematics and astronomy professor, Peter Stoner, he made the statement that the chances of just eight prophecies, not 300, eight prophecies like this coming true by sheer chance in one man, he says the chances are, the odds are one in 10 to the 17th power. That's one in 10 with 17 zeros following the 10. How would you like to put some money on those odds? <laughs> That's 17 zeros following. He said, he said, just to get a picture, because this is a little bit complex for, for my, my simple mind to understand. He said it would be equivalent to covering the whole state of Texas. Okay, let, let's put it in our Australian context. Covering the whole state of New South Wales, which is almost the same size as Texas. With silver dollars or 20 cent coins covered the whole state of New South Wales with 20 cent coins, two feet deep, okay, two feet deep, and then expecting a blindfolded man to walk across the state and on the very first try to find the one coin that is marked, roughly equivalent to the state of New South Wales uh, being that, that, that same, one and a half feet deep. And that one coin that's marked, and he has one chance and he goes out into the middle of New South Wales, I don't know, maybe Broken Hill. He has one go. 
not a hundred goes, not a thousand goes, but one go and he finds that one coin covered throughout the state of New South Wales that has been marked. He says, those are the chances of one man filling all eight prophecies in the Old Testament. Amen. He goes on further to say that, okay, let, let's add another eight to that. All right, I'm just going to do a little Bible study here. Let's add another eight prophecies. So let's say 16 prophecies. The chances of one man fulfilling all 16 prophecies in the Old Testament, fulfilling them, he said the chances are one in 10 to the 45th power. That's one uh, dot dot 10 with 45 zeros following after that. He's, they said that would be equivalent if you took all of those 20 cent coins and you put them all together into a, a metallic ball of coins and you compiled all of those coins and you put it in the middle of the sun said so the the outer perimeter of that that coin that ball that metallic ball of coins would reach beyond Pluto, uh, neptune up to almost pluto that's how big it would be the chances of one man Fulfilling all 16 prophecies is that, can I tell you, that it's, it's not chance. There's no accident there. It's not all maybe he got a little lucky because he didn't just fulfill 16 prophecies. Jesus Christ fulfilled 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, not by chance, not by coincidence, not by accident, but because he is God from heaven. He is who he says he is. He is the only and one and true living God who was from the beginning and he shall always be. He he was and is and is to come oh I've come to tell you there is only one God here oh Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and you've got to love him with all your heart soul mind and strength there is no other God God said in the book of Isaiah I looked around me and there is no other God I alone and your Savior that's why it says in the book of John in the beginning was the word and the word was with God God, and the word was God oh hallelujah that's no accident that's a sure thing that's the truth that is something that you've got to grapple with and if Jesus is who he says he is then you've got to pay attention you've got to live your life you've got to follow God oh hallelujah come on I'm already preaching uh, there's no one greater than our God he alone is the creator of heaven and earth he is the master of this world he is the prince speaker the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace he is the one who was alpha omega first and last and everything in between hallelujah oh i'm just gonna boast on this god a little bit more we're not here by accident he's not jehovah jr he's not a third person in the godhead but colossians 2 and 9 the bible says in jesus dwells all the fullness of the godhead bodily oh hallelujah there is only one and his name 
is Jesus. What's his name? What's his name? Say it louder. Give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You got, you got to know the right God. Because there really is only one God. There's a lot of falsehood out there. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. Not everything you watch on YouTube is true. Amen. There's only one ground of truth. And that is God and his word. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall abide forever. Oh, hallelujah. So you got to know about this God. Got to know who he is. Know the truth about him. And so for a few moments, I'm just going to talk to you about this God. And I'm going to talk about this God by revealing some attributes about him. By talking about some of the things that God cannot do. Amen. There are some things that God cannot do. Amen. By his very nature, he is limited in certain things. And so by showing this like a, a process of elimination, I want to reveal to you some of the things about this God that you've got to know. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. This is kind of strange for us to think about a God that, that's limited, that where something is impossible. It's, it's difficult for us to understand about something that, because we always know that God can do everything, that he is all powerful. But there are some things that God cannot do. And by highlighting that, I, I want to tell you some of the things that he can do. Praise God. And again, I want to make a disclaimer, of course, that, that our God is so powerful. Amen. Amen. I've just been talking about that. Our God is so awesome. He is so immense and, and it's beyond. And we try to put human words to try and describe this God. And, and that's why God had to reveal himself as a man in Jesus Christ because uh, we could find a way to relate to him. But we try to use these words to relate to God. But God is so awesome. In fact, in the Bible, whenever the Bible says that he created the heavens and the earth, and the Bible says in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, there was no Hebrew word for universe. And so whenever the Bible talks about the heavens and the earth, it's talking about this universe. Now, may I ask you today, ladies and gentlemen, how big is this universe? If we can try to imagine how big God is, how big is our universe? Well, according to the experts, and again, I'm just, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. The universe is 95 billion light years in size. 95 billion light years. Now, now, I don't know if you can comprehend that, but 95 billion light years is the distance uh, in that time that light will travel. Light travels at uh, 600 million mile, kilometers rather, per second. Roughly 600 million kilometers per second. Not 600 kilometers per second. Some of you think, oh, you know, I got a pretty fast car. That, that's faster than your car, I'm sorry. You might have it hotted up. It might be a turbo. It might be an eight, 
eight uh, cylinder, it might be a 14 cylinder, whatever it is, but that's fast. 600 million kilometers, not per hour, per second. So the distance covered by light traveling at that speed in 95 billion years. That, that's, you thought the Blue Mountains was far, bro, coming to church from the Blue Mountains. That's a distance. That's how big they say the universe is. Oh, but my God created the universe. He is not bound by this universe. He lives outside of time and space and eternity. This God is so powerful that he transcends all of that that he simply said let it be and this universe began to work and expand can i tell you i like the old negro spiritual that says god is he don't need no mattress god is fire all by himself can i tell you my god is so awesome he's so powerful he's Come on, somebody. That's why when you come into the house of God, that's why they pulled off the branches. They took off their jackets and began to lay them down before that cold. Why? Because God was coming into their city. God had come in. That's why when you come into the house of God, you ought to give them everything that you got. You ought to shout. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of you, well, I got to save this for next week. I'll praise him when I get some money. Oh, I'll praise him when he heals my, my, no, you ought to, when you come to revelation of who God is, of how powerful, how awesome, how wonderful. Hallelujah. He's worthy if you praise him every second and every hour of the day that you are alive. It still won't be enough. He is worthy. We praise you. Oh, I wish I, had a, I wish I had some palms here. Maybe you can use your palm and wave it just a little bit. Wave it to this great God, to this awesome God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've got to finish. I haven't even got to my first point yet, but I've got to finish this sermon. We've got to have lunch. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But there are some things that God cannot do. Number one, right. I got, I got somebody preaching with me. Thank you, sister. God cannot lie. Amen. Whatever he said, he's going to do. Amen. I, I know you grow up with your mama telling you, well, I'll be there to pick you up. And you're waiting there two hours, three hours. I know you grow up people failing you and lying to you and say all kinds of stuff. And that's why you're broken. That's why you're hurt. And that's why we don't even trust God sometimes. But can I tell you, his word will never fail. Heaven and earth will pass away. But he said, my word shall abide forever. Come on. His word is going to remain. That's why you can build your life upon the word of God. Don't build it on man. Don't build it on YouTube and Facebook. Don't build your life upon the things of this world. But build it upon the rock. His word will never fail. He was not lie. But whatever he promised. Oh, hallelujah. 
come on God's word is not like the stock exchange where it goes up and down it's not like your interest rate that goes up and down but my God's word is a sure foundation it's by his word that he framed the word of but we know hallelujah that's why you can bank on his word Listen to me, if you spend your, the rest of your life, you never make a million dollars. You never make some kind of a, a significance in, in the community. And yet you follow God's word. You align your life to the Bible. I'm telling you, it will never fail. Because at the end of it all, when all is said and done, when all of the ashes and the dust begin to settle, there is the kingdom of God and his word that will never move. Hallelujah. He can't lie. Amen. You can trust it. You can trust his word. That's why you ought to read the Bible every day. That's why you ought to get in Bible studies. Amen. Don't, don't, you know, don't consume your life with uh, you know, learning how to play the pokies better and how to do this. Consume your, let your life be filled with his word. Let his word guide you. It will not fail. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing just how words, words are very powerful. There are certain words that you could see if you're on the radio and if you say a word, you can get fined. You can get in trouble because words are powerful. And, and by simply adhering to his word, it, it, you don't, it's nothing, it's not tangible, it's not physical, it's not material. Yet the Bible says when you mix his word with faith, something happens. How is it that a drug, a drug addicted teenager can walk into the house of God and he with his ears hear the word preached and he believes it and is convicted. He comes to this altar. He bows his knee and say, Lord, I'm simply trusting what has been said in your word. And in that instant, when he repents of his sins, when he confesses to God, God can fill him with God's Holy Spirit. How is it? It's just water in that tank. There's nothing mystical or magical about the water. We don't have any bubbles in there. We don't have any fizz. We don't, it's just water. But how is it if you hear the word of God, the Bible with the word of God that says, if you want to be saved, you have to be born again of water and the spirit. God doesn't come down from heaven and, and grabs you by your ear and says, come here, come and follow me. Get down here. He, he just simply speaks the word. And when a person hears it, the Bible says when one sinner repents, there's rejoicing in the heavens. Do you realize if you're here and you don't know God, you can send God a party. You can, you can put rejoicing in the presence of angels because for the first time in that person's life, he acknowledges God and he repents and turns at that moment of decision just by hearing God's word there's a rejoicing in the heaven and when you step into the waters of baptism the bible says something happens something powerful begins to take place your sins every sin you've committed is washed away never to be remembered we would 
We don't have any Jordan River water. This is not from the Jordan. This is Campsie water. This is Sydney, you know, high fluoride water. Nothing magical, but simply hearing the word from God and responding in faith. There's a power that's released. Can I tell you, you are more powerful than you think you are. You've got something inside of you that's more powerful than what the doctor says in his office, than what the bills are staring you in the face. You've got a faith in God's word. And when you put your trust in God's word, it will not fail. Hallelujah. Oh, can I talk to somebody? Don't delay. Today is the day of salvation. If you've not been baptized, don't think, oh, I don't know. There's so many people in here. I'm a little shy. I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'll wait three in the morning on Tuesday morning. Maybe Pastor. No, I'm not getting up at three in the morning to baptize you. You can get baptized today because it's a matter of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time. Now is the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God cannot lie. You can trust him. I love what the psalmist said. He said, if it wasn't for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? He can't lie. Nothing that God can't do, he can't fail. He cannot fail you. Amen. Yeah, we, we've grown up with people failing us all the time. Amen. Your, your parents failed you. I'm the first to admit. Any other parents out there? We failed our kids. Yes. Listen, can I tell you, can I help somebody right now? Yeah, no, there's no perfect parent here. Okay. We talked about parenting at the Esther conference yesterday. And again, I want to say what a tremendous Esther conference we had. All of the leaders, Sister Robin and the team and everybody... But if you think you messed up as a parent, join the club. There, you know, the Bible doesn't even give us a manual on parenting. It gives us a few principles about, about how to treat our kids. The Bible says fathers don't provoke your kids. It's funny how it doesn't tell the mothers don't provoke your kids. The dads don't provoke your kids. I think dads have a spiritual gift in provoking kids. It's probably the 10th spiritual gift. It just comes natural to provoke our children. I don't know why. We love our kids. We will take a bullet for them, do you know, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But we just love to, just to get a little reaction out of our kids. It's just, just to. People fail us. In fact, the world fails. But let me tell you, God cannot fail. And I've come to help somebody right now to tell you that even though you failed, it does not mean that you're a failure. God, that's another thing that God can't do. He can't make mistakes. You know, when, uh, even with all of man's ingenuity, you know, 2021, what I've noticed in our society today is that our world is so arrogant. It's so proud. Look what we've done. Look how good we are. But in 1912, when, with the Titanic's maiden voyage, they built this massive ship. It was so big for its time. They said, all these superlatives they're coming out with. Uh, you know, it's the greatest thing. And one guy even cried out, not even God could sink the Titanic. 
Oof. Bad, don't do that, dude. It's not good. Because you know what happened in the maiden voyage. One night, that fateful night, an iceberg, a massive iceberg ripped through the hull of that Titanic. And that which not even God could sink had sunk. 1,500 people dead from that Titanic. The greatest of our ingenuity of man's ability and intellect and prowess, it will falter, it will fail. But let me remind you about a God who cannot fail. If you put all of your eggs in the one basket, you better put it in the basket of God. Amen. They said, oh, when you invest, invest everywhere. You know, multiply and, you know, diversify your investment. Not when it comes to God. When you come to know Jesus, you put your all. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Not, not just a little bit. Oh, I'll give you 20% God and leave me my... No, you've got to give your all. And when you do, it's not going to fail. But it will see you through. You'll find success. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. That's why you got to remember your God doesn't make mistakes. Amen. And you are not a mistake. You might make mistakes. And here's our problem. Every time we make a mistake, we internalize it, we personalize it, and then we begin to speak this language in our mind that I am a mistake. That's called shame. That's a lie from the devil. Amen. You are not a mistake. Your mom and dad said, well, you know, you were the last kid. You were a bit of an accident. You know, you were a mistake. We, we didn't plan on having you. You know, something happened. It didn't work. But let me tell you, if you were alive and hearing me today, you are not a mistake. You might have made mistakes. You might have failed in some things, but you are not a failure. If you're here today, you are not a failure, but you are. Come on, some. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are not with repentance. In other words, he won't take them back. You are not an error. You are not a mistake. But you are God's divine child. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. We are a peculiar people, the Bible says. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. That we should show forth the praises of him who have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. That's what you got to understand about this God. How you see him needs to be by the word of God. You get all this kind of junk that you find on, on the internet. That's why you got to know the Bible. You got to see the world through the lens of Scripture. So that you can reject the things that are false and, and continue to believe that which is true. That which is true about yourself. There's, there's so much more that I could cover about some of the things that God cannot do. He cannot lie, He cannot fail. You cannot make mistakes. And one thing that God cannot do is that he, he will never override our will. By his own nature, he has, he has shackled himself, as it were, to his law. You cannot separate God and his law. It is one. And so by his own very nature that he created humanity... Giving humanity the, humanity the greatest gift of all called free will. 
Some people don't even believe in the theology of free will because the word free will is not actually a term found in scripture. But I think all of us here today, if I just simply appeal to your common sense, would know that every human being has this gift of self-determination, of autonomy, of volition, choice that we can choose. In fact, we all know instinctively that love cannot be loved unless it is freely chosen, freely given. And so when God created man, he, he gave him this wonderful gift of free will. Even at the risk of, of these, his children disobeying him. You know, that's what we want, right? As parents, we want all our kids to, to just do whatever we say all of the time. Hands up if you have kids like that. Oh, wow, there's, there's a couple, yeah. You are anointed. That's what God wants for all of us. But because of free will, God gave us the choice and he will never make us. He will, yeah, yeah, of course he's got the power to smack us over the head and just throw us into hell. Absolutely, he's got the power to do that. But because he cannot violate his own law, and because he will not possess our bodies to you know, make us like puppets, God had to find a way to satisfy his law of death because of sin and be able to still us retaining our free will. And the way that he do, did that was by becoming a man. Some said, well, that God and man is, is a contradiction. How can you have God and man together? No, no, it's not. Because the Bible tells us God did it. And there is no theological principle to say that it can't be done. The Bible says God overshadowed Mary. And what was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. God needed a body in order to satisfy the, the wrath of God, the penalty of sin, because he cannot override our will. And with all of what Jesus did by suffering this excruciating pain and going to the cross, yet he still doesn't make us. He simply says, choose you this day. Choose life. Here it is, children. It's very simple. I can't make you do it. But here it is. If you choose, if you disobey, you're going to die. If you obey, you're going to live. It is so simple. Yet he still has to give that because he cannot make us do what we don't want to do. And I want you to know that as powerful as God is, as amazing as he is, you have the ability within you to say no thank you, to cut off the hand of God, to extinguish the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost in your life by simply saying, no, I'd rather do my own thing. No, I'd rather follow. But hear me, the power of a decision, if you decide, yes, I'm going to say yes, Lord, to your will. Yes, Lord, to your way. I'm going to answer in the affirmative. I'm telling you there is a power, the glory and the blessings that comes with making a decision for God. Hallelujah. And I believe God, I don't know, maybe it's just in my own limited way. I believe God is saying, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Choose to do right. Obey my word. I've got so much for you. I've got such blessings for you. I've got a life. Oh, I'm telling you, living for Jesus is the best life of all. There's no comparison. There's nothing like it. You won't wake up with regrets. You won't wake up with a hangover. You won't wake up empty and destitute and depressed. Oh, 
soul, but when you're walking with God. Hallelujah. Okay. I got to hurry. Musicians, give hope to these precious people. I've got to finish. Can't lie. Can't fail. What else he can't? Can't make mistakes. He can't force us. That's why he says in his word, he says, son, give me your heart. He doesn't say, I'm going to take your heart. He says in the book of Proverbs, son, give me your heart. There's a story in the Gospels. When Jesus began his ministry, he started and went back to his hometown of Nazareth. That's what we do, right? Go back to our homes. Tell everybody. But in the town of Nazareth, his own hometown, the Bible says there were no, tells us that there's no miracles performed there. No healing. Nothing. Because when the, the, the people, the citizens of Nazareth saw Jesus, they said, isn't, isn't this the carpenter's boy? Isn't this Mary's boy? You know, his sisters, his brothers, we, we kind of, you know, watched growing up. And the Bible says there was no miracles performed in Nazareth. Why? Because of the familiarity. Because how they saw Jesus. They saw him like the, the citizens of Jerusalem. But then he goes to the next town in a place called Capernaum. And in Capernaum, when they heard the healer was in town, they brought everybody that was sick, everybody that was diseased. And the Bible says he healed them all. Everybody in the next town was healed because of how they saw Jesus. Can I, can, how you see things, how you view life, how you view yourself and how you view God will make all the difference in the world. If you've come in here today and think, well, I just, you know, I'll just do the hour and a half deal, whatever, and I'll get out of here and go eat McDonald's or some, or I'll just get through this guy as soon as he finishes shouting, then I, you know, I'll go you know, relieve my ears a little bit, and I'll go, you can say, I'll never. Or if you come in here and say, God, I know something's going to happen. God, I know your word will never fail. You promise you said where two or three are gathered together you are there in the midst of them and if he's here today if you can believe that I'm telling you either way you're right if you believe nothing's gonna happen exactly yes oh but if you believe that God will answer your prayers if you believe that he's a high priest that is touched by the feelings of our infirmity that loves us that wants to do good to that wants to fill us with the gift of the holy ghost i'm telling you you are right hallelujah one more thing one more thing he said one more thing this is the words of the angel to mary here's an oh i've got too many notes i wish i had time uh, Luke chapter 1, here's what the angel said to Mary. You want to see an impossibility with God, something that God can't do? He says in 1 verse, verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. That means if you've got nothing, and you've got God coming inside of your life. 
that nothing can remain. It's an impossibility with God because where there's God, there is always something. Oh, hallelujah. There's always something with God. Well, I don't have anything, Pastor. I got nothing. Look at my life. I got nothing to show for it. I've not, not made any money. I haven't bought a house. I'm telling you, if you've got nothing and you get God equals God plus nothing, doesn't equal nothing. God plus nothing equals something, equals everything. When you got God, you've got everything. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. As long as you've got God, when this becomes a revelation to somebody, you won't be praying those prayers you used to pray. Remember those prayers? God, give me the numbers to the lotto. Give me the numbers to the lotto. God, make me, make me taller so I can dunk. Make me taller so I can dunk the ball. Remember those prayers? When you got God, it doesn't matter if you don't have enough. God. Hallelujah. That's why Joseph, even though he was in prison, even though he was enslaved in, in Egypt, the Bible says, but God was with Joseph. That's why we ought to be the happiest people in the world. We ought to have a smile. Why? Even when we don't have, we've got God. Let's all stand. I've got, I've got to finish. Here's another thing that he can't do. He said he will never, never, ever, ever leave us or forsake us. Doesn't matter where you are. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Come on, some. That's all you need to know. Oh, God, I just need this job. I just need this girlfriend. I, you don't need that. What you need is God. I'm not going to leave you. Hallelujah. I've got to stop. And God is not finished. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who is this man? Who is he? I like what Peter said. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. My Father in heaven it comes by a revelation of if you don't know Jesus, it could be that the Father has not revealed it to you. And you can pray this prayer today God, give me a revelation of who you are according to your word. Yes, we've read that text before, but God, give me a revelation. Something would open my eyes, something in me, the scales would begin to fall. The doors would begin to open in the compartments of my soul. That my mind would begin to open up to believe and see who you are, who you really are. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. We acknowledge you as the only one true living God. The Savior the creator of all life, master of this world. God, you are the great I am. Oh, the door, the way, the great, the good shepherd, Lord God. You are Alpha and Omega. 
And Father, today we lift up our hearts and our minds to you right now. We give our hearts over and surrender to you, to your will, and to your way. We align ourselves to your word. And we come to know who you are. And we want to answer this question in our hearts of who you are. You are our God. Our God that we know. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you to come out of your seat. If you, you've never repented of your sins, today is your opportunity to simply say, God, I want to follow you. If you never received the wonderful gift of his Holy Spirit, today it's for you. It's for whosoever will and you can receive it. I want to invite you to come out of your seat and find a place at this altar. Maybe you just, you need healing in your body. You need help with your marriage, with your friendships, with, with your, your work situation, with your health, whatever it is. His word will not fail. God promises that he will heal that in his name there is healing, that he is the son of righteousness who comes with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. If you have a need right now, perhaps you'd like to, to get your sins removed by coming and repenting and being baptized in his name. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is your opportunity to respond. If you believe this word, responding in faith, something powerful will begin to happen in your life. If you can believe, Jesus said, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Is there any faith in here? That's why we got to have an if. Because he's not going to override my will or your will. You got to have a faith. Is there anybody in here today? Why don't you come and respond to his word right now? As ministers and leaders are making their way to pray for those that are here. Why don't you lift up your hands and your voice. Begin to talk to the Lord. You need the gift of the Holy Spirit. He can fill you right now. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, God is filling somebody with the Holy Ghost today. If you want to receive this wonderful gift of His Holy Spirit, you can receive it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's reach out to the Lord. That's it. Lift up your voice. 